This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The Athletic. Hello, I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Business of Sport podcast on The Athletic. Each week, we take you behind the curtain into the world of football, business and other sports across the globe. Alongside me today from The Athletic, football news reporter Matt Slater. And as it's the Super Bowl this weekend, the pod has an NFL flavour as we look at the sports relationship with European football, specifically the Premier League. As The Athletic's Daniel Kaplan wrote this week, nine of the last 10 Super Bowl teams have investments in soccer. Is this just a coincidence or are there reasons behind it? How do Premier League clubs and NFL franchises complement each other? How do they work together both on and off the field? Welcome to the Business of Sport from The Athletic. Our guest today is Parag Marate, who is in his 20th year with the San Francisco 49ers, serving as president of 49ers Enterprises and executive vice president of football operations. He's also the team's chief contract negotiator and salary cap architect and looks after the team's football analytics department, among other football duties. He is also a board member and vice chairman of the Premier League side Leeds United after the 49ers initially invested in the club in the summer of 2018 and have now increased their shareholding to 37% following their promotion to the Premier League last year. I'll start with a very broad question, Parag, I think, which is why do you think there is so much American interest and investment in English football teams? I think as as American owners, or I think as just professional sports owners realize um, the, start to understand the business and they realize that, wait a second, uh, whether it's a baseball, a football, a cricket ball or a soccer ball, it doesn't really matter. It's, it could be a widget ball because the, the premise and the fundamentals of the sport are all the same. You've got the players on the pitch or the field or the court or the ice, and you've got everything off the pitch to support that, whether it be commercially or on the performance side, it's all the same. So really, if you have the resources to be able to expand, I think a lot of people try to. One of the failings, or I don't want to call it a failing, but something that I've observed in my research that maybe doesn't necessarily bode as well in terms of American investment and European football clubs, because it's a checkered history, right? There's some positives and there's some negatives. And I think what hasn't worked is when people view it as just a an economic opportunity, a money-making opportunity, an opportunity to maybe... Uh, spread their wings and expand their ego. It doesn't work. I mean, this is not a mutual fund or a stock. Uh, you have to care. You have to be passionate. You have to adopt this club into your family. That's one thing that is different for us. I mean, we have to announce that we've invested more and we are now 37% owners and, and this and that. But that is just a means to an end. And that's not really what this is about. This is about a much, much deeper level of engagement and partnership and things like that, where we are going to be able to lend our expertise and our skills that we've developed with the 49ers to help another club grow. And that's because we care. Like I said, I'm salty right now because I just finished uh, watching that match. And in the 95th minute, Bamford gets it and, and, and passes to Tyro and Tyro just off his foot 
uh, and it goes a little bit high, and it would have been the equalizer in the 95th minute. And I'm on the ground in my office because I'm just so frustrated with that. And I don't think all American owners are like that. I don't think they care like that, you know, but we do. When you say the word partnership, that implies there will be as many benefits for the 49ers and what you can learn from Leeds as what Leeds can gain from you. Is that fair? I think it's one big family now, family to help each other out. And whether at one point in time, somebody's helping someone more versus vice versa, uh, it just depends on where you happen to be as a club on, a, on your life cycle. At this moment in time, Leeds is freshly in the Premier League and they've shown that they play like they belong, but we now have to stick around. Uh, and there's a lot of things that we could do. We've transformed the 49ers in many ways over the last decade or two to restore the 49ers franchise back to where we were once we're in the 80s and 90s. Uh, and similarly, that's what we think we can help uh, the uh, Leeds United do right now uh, to bring them back on and off the pitch. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Sure. You know, you've been there since 2018, so you've had a little chance to have a look. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want you to tell me one thing that, that you've learned from Leeds United that, that you've perhaps brought back to back to San Francisco. And then I'm going to ask you to suggest one thing that you are going to change now that you have a bigger shareholding, now that you have a bigger role at Ellen Road. Sure. Well, I'll start with the, with the latter. I think it's one for off the pitch and one for on the pitch. Okay. You know, on the pitch, I've developed my career at the 49ers. I've built my reputation in contract management, salary cap, Uh, managing all of our player contracts at the 49ers and how to structure everything and trying to dive into that side of the business to be able to help the club structure their contracts and play the transfer market as efficiently as possible is something that I believe I can help as I, as I learn more. So, and then off the pitch, um, one of the things is what we could do to increase commercial revenues and hospitality around Allen Road. And while maintaining sort of the aura and the magic that is Ellen Road, you've got a hundred-year-old history there. You don't, you certainly don't want to rip that away, but you do want to preserve that. So I think that's something that is important. I'll say your first question is a good one, and it does make me need to think for a second. Um, and what one of my biggest epiphanies when I first got involved was how much players have a voice and have a say in terms of where they want to, if someone doesn't want to play there, play for a club in, within Europe, you, you all of a sudden have to start the process to either solve it or find an alternative, right? And so in many ways, the recruitment is forever continuing, right? And so that's something that is, whereas in American sports, you sign players to longer contracts by one way or another, they're locked into that contract. It was an interesting epiphany uh, in terms of making sure that uh, any contract you sign, any contract that I do with the 49ers, we want to make sure it stands the test of time. It's not something that we want to win and win a contract that is and look like, all right, we've got this person for five years locked in. No, it needs to stand the test of time. You want that player to be happy each and every year and each and every year choosing to be a member of your club. Well, there's plenty there. I mean, we did a whole podcast on free agency and the difference between the US and, and, and okay. European soccer. But we, we may well come back to that. And I'm totally aware of your expertise and salary cap management and, and all of that. That's fascinating. We we, we love that, don't we, Mark? So yeah, we do. I, yeah. Just, I, just, I just think there are Leeds United fans who will be desperate for us to sort of kind of focus on that. We're, we're a little bit parochial over here. So <laughs> if you haven't already worked that out. Ellen Road. I think Ellen Road is the big one for me. And it, okay. it's, it's so interesting to do with your personal story, but also the yep. San Francisco 49ers, their story. So yep. for anyone that is, is new to this, the 49ers moved from a big historic traditional home. It was a little bit controversial, but you did it. You pulled it off. Fantastic new home, Levi Stadium. It's 
a marvel, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now, Ellen Road, Ellen Road deeds a bit of that, doesn't it? A bit of that love. Does it have to be at Ellen Road? Because we've been here before with Fenway Sports Group and the decision they had around Anfield. Yes. What, what, what light can you shed here? Yeah, I mean, I think right now the goal is to look to see what we could do to modernize Ellen Road within the current footprint. Angus has talked about the West Side, West Side or East Side stands, now my mind's slipping me, about expanding the capacity because I think you see most of the big dogs uh, most of the big dogs in the Premier League have capacities above 50,000, right? And we are hovering around 36. And so I think uh, that's something that we certainly want to be able to see what we could do. You step onto the grounds at Ellen Road, you can feel that there, the competitive advantage that Leeds players have. And you can, you can sense why opposing team, away team players don't enjoy playing there because it is such a voracious environment. You don't want to take that away. Trying to figure out how to maximize that. You know, and even with the, in the 49ers case, the decibel level and how we set it up for, uh, for Levi Stadium is greater than what we had at Candlestick Park. And then actually, in many ways, we move closer to the majority of our season ticket holders. It's a little bit of a misnomer that, that we moved away because we actually moved closer to the majority of our season ticket holders when we moved uh, to Levi Stadium. Uh, so we actually, in totality, made it more convenient and, you know, provided a better experience and all that as well. It's everything that you look to do to, to be able to, to modernize it. But again, you have to first show that you belong, that you can stay in the Premier League. You don't want to be uh, this yo-yo club that hangs on by the laces of our shoes, right? We want to be able to show that we can stay. And the longer we can stay, uh, the more you can do because improvements you can make are not just at Allen Road, but we're talking about our training ground. We're talking about our academy. Uh, we're talking about... All- whole lot more within the football infrastructure that is Leeds. There's quite an interesting debate there on on stadia and a new stadia. And I can remember listening to a business podcast maybe two or three years ago uh, with Brian Rolap, who is he's high up mm-hmm. in the NFL, is he? Although for the life of me, uh, Parag, I've forgotten what his job title is. He was high up, or still yes. is high up in the NFL. Yes. He was asked if he had a dollar, right, whether he would use that dollar to put an extra seat into a stadium i.e. increase the capacity, or use that dollar to improve the fan experience of the person in the seat that's already there. And I wonder whether, you know, you look at what Tottenham have done and increased their capacity, whether capacity increase is more important or fan experience is more important. That's a great question, but I think it's a little bit difficult to answer because it's not as linear as you might describe it to be when you talk about your marginal dollar, because we will still be able to maintain every ounce of electricity at Ellen Road as we expand our capacity, because we certainly have much more potential than 36,000, right? But take us past 52 and go into 60 and 70, then the marginal dollar of an extra seat is not as valuable. And and it detracts from the overall experience. So, so I think maybe it's um, step functions, if I can uh, unfortunately use too many math <laughs> phrases here in one sentence, but it's a step function because like for now, like, yes, you can, we are not sacrificing or compromising anything on experience and if we added a seat, but once you reach that next step function, you probably are. You do want to make sure you preserve experience. I don't want to speak to any of my NFL partners, but there are certain stadiums that maybe are a little bit too big or because the atmosphere isn't what it could have been if it was a little bit smaller. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. 
Head over to MichelobeUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Going back to the players' contract situation, and the debate on this podcast, I think even last week was talking about the difference of working with players in the NFL compared to players over here and the collective bargaining agreement and so on and so forth. How different will contract negotiations be for for players that you deal with in the Premier League compared to NFL players because of collective bargaining agreements and players sign up to conditions that are implemented into their contracts in the NFL? And that's more complicated over here. It's a little bit more of the wild, wild west uh, in global football uh, because uh, there isn't as many uh, guardrails and fence posts around how you could do it. At the same time, the supply is also much greater, right? We have one pond to fish from in the U.S. And that is football, not just even football players in the, in, in the U.S., but football players who have matriculated through the college ranks be able to enter the NFL draft or be draft eligible. That's it. That's the only pond that we have, right? In global football, you have um, the whole world of all ages, essentially, to be able to fish from. It has that, I, I would say it's both a blessing and a curse uh, in that you at least have more supply, but it's also harder to figure out uh, where, where to find these players. But it, that, And that actually probably further supports my point that it is the Wild West. <laughs> Can you change that? If you use your, your influence now with Leeds and your experiences from San Francisco, can you implement better governance when it comes to transfers and players' contracts? Sure, I'd like to do things, and I, without being specific, I would sound ignorant if I tried to be specific, but do things to maximize return and minimize risk. That's the name of the game, right? Especially in an environment where you have finite resources. That's what you try to do. A really great place to start uh, is with your academy. And last year we announced we moved up to the Category 1 Academy, which is so tremendous because that is your ultimate place to start. I mean, just take a look at Calvin Phillips, you know, coming from our academy. Like, that's, that's an example of, uh, of being able to identify talent early and keeping them with you. And so there are certain things that hopefully that I'll be able to help. Obviously, Andrea and Marcelo and, and, and Victor already do such a tremendous job, but I think I will be able to help as well. All right, I, I do have a, a couple more Leeds United questions to ask you, but I think you're trying sure. to send us a message. And it's a good message What's to send that? us because we, this is a sort of business of sports podcast, but we end up talking about football yeah. a hell of a lot. But what are you holding in your hand? Hold on. I, I, let me show you what I've got because I've got two things that I play around with in my office. It's either I'm a, I'm a big pacer. I don't sit, sit around. I don't, I don't like to sit around. Okay. I'm either throwing this 49er football around. Yeah, recognize uh, that. Kicking this ball. Look how dirty. Okay. This yeah, ball that's, is that's dirty. A- all right, for podcast listeners, we've seen an American football and we've seen a football. This has never seen a blade of grass, mm. uh, but it's been kicked okay. around in my office for, <laughs> for two years. And then yeah. got- but what were you holding in your... There we go, <laughs> cricket ball. All right, we got yeah. there. So one of your other roles is you're the chairman of USA Cricket. Yeah. Now, this is a fascinating time to be talking to you about cricket because you're obviously of Indian descent, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Well, who who are India playing next? You tell me. I don't even know. England. Oh, come <laughs> okay. on. England is India versus England. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, anyway, so that's all to look forward to. But plenty to look forward to in American cricket, we hope, as well. So yes. what can you tell me about Major League Cricket? Yeah, we are, uh, you know, we just got associate member status last year. We are looking to start a T20 league uh, next year here. In, not looking to, we're going to start a T20 league here in the U.S., uh, we'll start with uh, clubs and uh, clubs across the across the U.S. And we just announced a stadium outside, right outside of Dallas, uh, and we're looking to do a few more. And so we think there's just a tremendous opportunity when you when you think about the fact that cricket is the second largest sport in the world, and the U.S. is the largest media market in the world. You know, I mentioned widget ball earlier. It doesn't even matter what sport you're talking about when you just hear those two phrases, those two pieces. You know, there's a big opportunity. Right. And so if we can do this right, which I think we can, we found some great partners and we've raised quite a bit of money and we think we can have great success. And, the, you know, the foundational plan that we laid out is to be a full member by 2030 and competing at the highest levels. You have media interest in that product. Yes, presumably. we do. I mean, if you just look at the numbers right yeah. now on Willow TV, which is the streaming product that people use in the U.S. to watch the England, New Zealand final, which I went to. I was at Lords for that. Wow. Uh, in uh, July 19 and the ECB's box. Um, and that also was just, you talk about magic <laughs> in the air. It was a decent uh, game. Yeah. Uh, and that match was was watched, uh, was on at the wee hours in the morning in San Francisco, middle of the night, sorry, and the wee hours of the morning in, New York, in the East Coast in New York time. Uh, and it was watched by something like 2.5 million subscribers on pay-per-view Willow TV, right? Those numbers rival the numbers of, NBA regular season games, Major League Baseball playoff games that are on on prime time on free TV, right? So like already there is an uh, there is a cricket watch, a cricket paying audience uh, that are waking up in the middle of the night here in the U.S. Uh, to watch a match that nobody even has any loyalty to, uh, right? Because it was England, New Zealand. Like it wasn't it wasn't a it wasn't India. It wasn't a, 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 the American national team, right? So it was just. It just shows you the potential. I don't need to tell part of this. I'll tell everybody else. We, we had our family holiday in America in, in 2019. And actually, I went and me and my son went to the 49ers and went and met Parag and sat in his office, had a lovely tour, and, and it was very pleasant. But the, we arrived in New yeah. York, and on our journey in a car from JFK to the hotel, the first wow. sport we saw being played as we drove yeah. through was a game of, was a game yeah. of cricket. You, you say it's going to be a T20 league. Just a final question yeah. on that, and obviously you have contacts with the sure. ECB. If, if the 100 works next summer, if the 100 ever gets going, if, if that is the format that takes off here, is that a format that might translate better to an American market? 100, 100 balls is maybe simpler than 20 overs. Yeah, I don't uh, know. Potentially, but the, the reason why the T20, I mean, I think the IPL has done such a good job of showing us and giving us a, a blueprint. What works well about the T20 is that it fits somewhat nicely in that three-hour window, in a three-hour format, and that is how American sports are consumed, right? Whether it's basketball is roughly two and a half, baseball is 240, and football is about 255. Uh, and so it's all within that window. So from a time consumption standpoint, it almost it fits a nice mold for what how we consume sports. We should probably talk a little bit about gridiron, right? American football. I mean, one of your roles, another one of your roles is you're on the Future of Football Committee, the NFL's Future of Football Committee. Yeah. That sounds brilliant. Yeah. I mean, what a wonderful role. There'll be British listeners here who love NFL. And it's the it's the obvious British yeah. fan question to ask. When are we going to get a franchise over here? 
you know, every club that plays that plays in their respective city, they have a tremendous amount of loyalty that they already have in their city. And it, it is, it is logistically challenging, right? With the way that we are, uh, we play our football games once in a, once every week or every, you know, five to seven days, I guess you could say. And, and the physical toll on players that it takes and how many tryouts and new players you bring in every week. It's just, it is a challenge. I think uh, what we have now works great and there's tremendous amount of popularity. We've played twice in London in um, 2013 and in 2010 and both times were just, just phenomenal, phenomenal experience. And, you know, there is definitely an appetite for that, but, you know, we sort of like how it works right now because the British can be fans of all the teams, you know, as opposed to picking one. That's how it seems to me, to be honest with you, you know, that there are so many storied franchises, historical teams that people here have relationships with. And also the international games give us three or four games. Well, a, a team only gets eight yeah. home games. If you balance out the positives and yeah. the negatives, there's 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 not much, I don't think, at the moment to be gained from having a team based here. Really. Yeah, I think it works well right now. This is a paid advertisement from Better Health Therapy Online. Do you ever get that feeling that you need to get something off your chest? We all carry around different stresses, big and small. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe place to release and discuss those thoughts and feelings and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, why not give BetterHelp a try? It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you need to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to match with a licensed therapist. And if things don't click, you can switch to someone new at any time with no additional charge. With over 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And because you listen to this podcast, you can get 10% off your first month of online therapy by heading to betterhelp.com slash athleticfootball. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash athleticfootball with no spaces. On the NFL's future of football committee as well, before we go back to San Francisco and, and, and Leeds, there's quite there's a huge um, issue with head injury research over here at the moment, as you know, within within yeah. British football and concussion issues, and it's in other sports yeah. as well. And it will it will increasingly um, mean that parents will question the sports that their children participate in, and that's something that the NFL has had to has had to confront when it looks to its future. Yeah, certainly. I mean, it's something that our main owner, Dr. John York, is on the head of the Health and Safety Committee for the NFL. So it's something that we're always trying to think, be proactive about, and whether you know it starts with uh, how you coach the game and how you, how to you know whether it's tackling and what you do and how you how you play the game. And it has to come from practice. Also, the equipment um, that you use to take uh, to take safety measures and teaching not just at this level, but, you know, all the way down at the youth level, teaching kids the right way to tackle, the right way to practice, the right equipment to use is certainly of paramount importance. And I think the, the numbers, since we've sort of, you know, put a lot more importance or priority on this, it's always been a priority, but since we put a particular focus on it, they have improved. And so we're continuing to look at making the game as safe as possible. If I flip it back to Leeds then, um, mm-hmm. and, and the link with the 49ers and, and a final few questions on that. Have you, 
Have you set targets already for what you want to do, or or is it a very fluid situation? Yeah, you mean in terms of club performance on the pitch? Yeah, well, cl- club performance both on 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 and off the pitch, really. I think it's incremental. I think it's just showing first is we have to show that we can belong. The day that we could get to the beginning of a year and not worry about if we we're going to be relegated. Um, that's probably the first step, right? I mean, we just got in and so we'll see what happens and and hopefully we're not, you know, I think what's the stat over 50% of clubs get who get promoted, get relegated in the first three years, right? And so we want to not be that. And then it's being able to move up the table and be competing in Europa or competing at the Champions League. And I think that we have, we have the bones, we have great, great bones in Leeds with the club's history uh, the, the global sub, uh, fan base and sort of supporters that we have and the fact that we are one of the rare one club towns uh, yeah. and and our town happens to and our town happens to be the third or fourth largest metropolitan area in the UK. Uh, so it's just tremendous potential. Uh, and that's why we just but 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 we can't just be a flash in the pan. We have to think about this methodically and thoughtfully. I wonder if, I mean, we talked about, you know, what next and, and, and progress on and off the pitch. How about progress in terms of your ownership stake? I mean, you've, you've gone from 15 to 37. Yeah. Um, is this it? Are you, are you going to stop? I think we talked about this earlier when we said it's, you know, it's not just about the money, it's about the engagement and partnership. And all I'm looking to, whether we are 1585 or 3763 or whatever, it meant, 50-50, it doesn't matter. We're just looking to do this together. We wanted to find a good partner to do this with and be able to influence success or have a chance to influence success. And so when I think about what the future holds, I'm not thinking about us. I'm thinking about the club's performance on the pitch. Uh, and so that, that's all that matters. Have you spoken to the Glazers, uh, John W. Henry? Yeah, we've spent a lot of time with uh, various owners of, of clubs and, and, you know, and seen what works for them and work, works, uh, what does and doesn't work for them. But again, every situation is different as well, you know, and I know what works for us and this one right now works for us. What are the risks for you? Because there are uh, plenty of American owners who are who are on the receiving end of quite a lot of vitriol from time to time from from <laughs> yeah. from from fans for for a whole variety of reasons. You know, it might be the perception that all the money goes into yeah. the NFL team and doesn't go into the Premier League team, as as an example. Yeah. What are the risks to you as a group and your reputation? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, the the risks are the same that they are here. Is that they the the fans will get can get frustrated if the performance on the pitch isn't reflecting what they want it to be, right? But uh, so that's part of the job. This is professional sports. This is why, this is why, like I said a, uh, a little while ago, that you have to care. You know, if you just view this as a place to park money, it just doesn't work. You might make money, but it just doesn't work, right? Well, I'm certainly not trying to invite uh, vitriol, but I appreciate it because it shows they care. They care too, right? This is part of everybody. This club is part of everybody's family and just like it is part of mine now. It's a demonstration of passion. And and I guess the risk is we are also going to be someone that is we're going to do everything we can to succeed or or we're going to die trying. But what we won't lack is passion. You know, that can go both ways, though, don't you, Parag? I mean... You know, Boston Red Sox fans get upset and say, well, yeah. hold on, are you, you're getting a bit distracted with this this thing called Liverpool yeah. and Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans. Yeah. You're going to have that. That's oh, right. Big. Yeah, that's right. That's fair. What do you say to those who view the increasing American ownership of Premier League teams leading to the drawbridge being pulled up and it becoming a, a closed shop to prevent the fear of relegation? 
You mean with the new setup that they were proposing, or well, not not necessarily the new setup, but obviously on voting rights. If a certain number of clubs yeah. all vote a certain way, you could you can do whatever you want with the Premier League. I know the FA have their golden share and, yeah. and may have a, have yeah, a say yeah. in that, but there will be a fear from some fans that yeah. the increasing American ownership will eventually lead to. Uh, yeah. To to what you have in in the NFL or MLB yeah. or whatever, and that is everybody's place is guaranteed. That's fair. Uh, I can't really speak to that because that's not what going to be what we are going to be. We're not going to be a faceless owner, right? You're going to see a lot of me. You're going to see a lot of our, uh, you know, my one of my VPs, Colin Midori, is going to be over quite a bit. You're going to see a lot of our executives, our C level, you know, top executives of the 49ers heading over to uh, across the pond to spend time there. We're going to be woven into the fabric of that community the same way that the folks who are already at Leeds are uh, within the club. So it's not we're not, we're not a faceless owner. I'm not sure I, I even worry about it. I mean, if something happens, it happens, but I don't worry about that because that's not who we will be. We've discussed on this podcast before football groups, whether it be the City Football Group or the group that own Barnsley and they also own Lille and, and how yep. these are, are becoming maybe more prevalent. We've also, but they are purely football, our British yeah. football. Bearing in mind what you said at the start about it doesn't matter whether it's hockey or baseball or, or NFL, yeah. or, or would you look to expand the group into different sports? Uh, yeah, potentially. Uh, but I, I guess we're not looking ahead that far. Right now is we have such, a tr- we have, uh, such an uncut diamond uh, with Leeds that you know, the, everything that we're trying to do is polish it and make it as pristine and beautiful as it can become. And there's so much work to do there that that's probably, there. there's enough there that's going to take us a long period of time before we think about what's next. There's got to be a T20 team, hasn't there? At some yeah, point? certainly, but we're already involved in the league. So <laughs> it's, uh, we, got enough to, we got enough to chew on on that. And before we let you go, you talk about you know, execs coming over and maybe yeah. exec sharing. Will, will there be... Uh, analysts swapping their expertise will coaches swap their I know they're different sports but you've got you've got two of the most brilliant coaching minds that there are with Carl Shanahan and Marcelo Bielsa is that is that they pick up the phone and talk yeah I mean we'll see remains to be seen I I will tell you this that I just watched uh uh, the Leeds Everton match with our general manager John Lynch sitting right next to us right here. We were, watching, wow. we were watching it together. We were we were talking about going over this summer. So so yes, brilliant and, and, and commercial synergies as well. I, I assume Jimmy Garoppolo I mean, is going to be wearing already, a Leeds United already, hat. And... Yeah, we've already sent our head of ticketing and our head of sponsorship and commercial over there. Uh, they have come. Uh, they have come to a two or three uh, 49ers games just last season. Uh, so there already is a lot of that. Uh, for lack of a better term, cross-pollinization. <laughs> oh, we, we will end. We will end the podcast on cross-pollinization. Thank you. <laughs> as ever, as ever, I appreciate you giving us your time. Thank you for talking yeah, to us. Yeah, of course. Thank, Thank you, guys. You. Right, that's it. Thanks for listening. Don't forget you can subscribe to The Athletic right now for just £3.99 a month and you'll enjoy the great analysis and the in-depth features from the very best football writers around as well as ad-free versions of all of our podcasts. Just head to theathletic.com slash Ornstein and Chapman to sign up. And I'm back on Tuesday with David Ornstein. Bye for now. The Athletic.